I'm going to preach on something this morning that is a tie-over from the series that we've been doing, as well as it's a word that is meant to focus us and project us forward into a new year. And uh, in many conversations uh, with uh, Paul Aquino, (laughs) all right, he's not here. (laughs) Yeah, I know, he's not in the auditorium right now, That's, that's fine. Um, but let me, let me go back a step then. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching on the parable of the talents, the servants who were, one was given five talents, the first servant, the second servant was given two talents and the last one. And we saw that the first two servants, when they met their master again, he had gone away on a long journey He had entrusted his wealth to them, and then he was coming back. And that parallel is a, that parable is a parallel of a truth in heaven that God wants to impact earth with. And we, the church, have got to realize that Jesus is that master who has invested his wealth in us. He has invested in us. The Bible says, the Apostle John says in 1 John, as he is, so are we now in this world. See, religious spirits want to throw all the great, fantastic, awesome stuff of the gospel into the future so that you miss it today. Mary said, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection. And Jesus had to put the brakes on and go, ah! Stop, hang on, you're missing a greater truth. I am the resurrection, therefore your brother will rise today. And oftentimes religious thought, religious (laughs) training projects a lot of the truths of God way off into the future when they are just as relevant to you and me today. Today I need the power of God. Today I need the miraculous. When I'm living in a God-filled environment where there's no brokenness and there's not a fallen creation, I don't need the miraculous. I need the power to overcome. I need the wisdom of God. I need the gifts of God. I need those things today to help me overcome the garbage that Satan is constantly trying to put in, in the way of my life. Are you with me, church? Are you in agreement? And so uh, we were looking at that parable and in the series of restoring the image of God, getting a right perspective of God back into our understanding. And uh, as I was preparing for this message, I felt like God said in, in 2022 and through this series, I want to help people progress from being a servant number three who hid his talents in the ground. You see, servant number one, five talents, produced ten talents. Servant number two, two talents, produced four talents. Servant number one was given one talent, and he hid it in the ground and gave back one talent. Well, how many of you know that if you put your money in the ground, whether it's 30 days, 60 days, or 50 years, it has been devalued by time. If you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. And so this guy actually gave his master a decrease in reality. 
And uh, the first two servants, their concept of the master was, you have entrusted us with your wealth. And we saw that in the Greek, the word entrusted means that you are working alongside of us, with us, and you have imparted to us all of your ability and all of your resources. Wouldn't it be great if you and me as the church of Jesus Christ literally believed that the resources of God and the fullness of who Christ is, is in us. He has invested who he is in us. And when he comes back, we're going to give him a multiplied reproduction. Uh, listen to the tape from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> what a great revelation. That the master has entrusted us with his wealth. The wealth of who he is and the resources that are in his hand. And we've been talking about how when we get a right perspective of God, it helps us to be set free from the judgments we've made about people, about God. And the sentence that follows that judgment is broken off of our lives. I believe that God wants to take us, for those of us who have been afraid, like servant number three, he says, I was afraid. I saw you as being harsh. I saw you as being mean. I wasn't convinced you were on my side. I didn't know if you were setting me up for failure. I wasn't sure if really all you wanted to do was give me this huge responsibility and judge me for every little mistake I made. Jesus rebuked that man. He said, that's how you see me, that's how I'll be to you. And he said, what that man has, take it from him and give it to one who produces. Now, I don't believe that the moral of the story is that God wants to take away from us. The moral of the story is that if we happen to fall into the, the picture of servant number three, God wants to progress us from a servant who doesn't understand what his master's really like and make us a servant number two who will take two talents and produce four talents and progress us further to servant number one so that we'll go from five talents to ten talents. You see, my dad is a restorer. My dad believes in us. My dad equips us. My father has a decided mentality that says, I want to take you from glory to greater glory. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it's very clear. God says that if you believe in me, I want you to believe that I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. And so I expect 2022 to be a better year, not because the year is going to bring good things, but because I'm going to tap into more and more of who God is. Absolutely. Praise God. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I want to share some principles this morning that I believe will really help unlock our lives. And my title this morning is called Breaking Free from a Double-Minded Past. There are things that act as anchors in our soul and they stop us from progressing into the fullness and the blessing of, the, of what God wants us to experience. I believe that as people, God wants to literally keep improving our lives mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, even financially. 
I believe that the salvation that God brought through Jesus Christ redeems us from the full effect of the curse that Adam brought into the world. If God parallels the first Adam with Christ and calls Christ the last Adam, then everything that the first Adam damaged, the last Adam has come to rectify. Come on, somebody get excited and tell God you believe it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I've been having a few conversations over, the, over the, this period with uh, Paul Aquino. And uh, I've asked Paul if he would just uh, come up and give a word of uh, recommendation. I, sometimes I think that because it's not in a book form or it's not a TV series or it's not a well-known speaker, we tend to not open the gifts or put as much value on the gifts that are just wrapped up in brown butcher's paper as the ones that have a lot of glitz and they're really fancy and uh, they look spectacular or they've got all this marketing on it. And I know that... Uh, <clears throat> In speaking with Paul, who has his doctorate in psychology, uh, I, a lot of the things that he has shared with me or commented on on these sermons has really, really encouraged me, and uh, they're just getting you a microphone right now. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have to speak through my mic, and that's a little bit too close for comfort. <laughs> I love you, dude, but not that much. <laughs> All right, we're waiting on the mic. Here it comes. Thank you. Okay, so as Pastor Rob said, um, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, um, licensed in New York and in Florida. Currently, I'm working for the VA. Uh, I went to a Christian program. There was only two in the country when I went. Uh, mine was Rosemead School of Psychology, which was in Southern California. Um, and over the years, I've worked in private practice most of the time, but I've also taught uh, in colleges and in graduate schools. And what I will tell you is what he's preaching is sound, both spiritually and psychologically. Um, I'm affiliated with a group called American Association of Christian Counselors. And uh, in the past, I've been affiliated with another group also that was called Christian Association for Psychological Studies. And they're involved in integrating faith with psychology, okay, and seeing how these two work together or can work together. And some of you out there may think psychology is evil. That's a whole other topic that I can get into to with you at another time. It's not. I'll tell you why if you ever want to hear, okay? It's something that God can use just like anything else if it's done correctly, okay? Um, but that's a whole other topic. Now, in this process of integrating psychology and theology, there's two ways that God will reveal things. And first I'll say that any truth that we discover comes from the Father. He is the author of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He also said he would send us the spirit of truth. And he also said that the, de the devil is incapable of truth because he's the father of lies. Mm -hmm. Okay? So whatever truth we discover... Good comes preaching, from Dr. Paul. <laughs> I won't take too much of your time. No, but it's good preaching. But there's two ways he reveals things to us. The first is what some theologians and philosophers will call special revelation. 
that is the scripture and for us in the charismatic Pentecostal side of things that's also through the things the spirit reveals through prophecy through dreams and visions through God speaking to us but then there's also general revelation which are the things we learn from the world around us I can take something out of my pocket hold it over here let go of it what's going to happen it's going to fall to the ground because in the natural realm there's a process called gravity and God has revealed that to us not through the scripture but through general revelation. And it keeps us safe. You don't walk off the edges of a roof thinking things are going to be okay. Okay? Um, so based on that, what God has revealed to Pastor Rob through special revelation fits very cleanly with what principles we have discovered in psychology and in the behavioral sciences. Okay? So in all of this, um, well, let me take one other step back on this. For example, in discussing what Pastor Rob uh, is teaching us, cognitive psychology talks about a schema. Okay, Schema is our sum total of life events that will color how we see the rest of the world. Okay, He's talking about our image of the Father, our image of God. It's colored by our life experiences. To bring about healing, first, the things in us have to come up and be recognized. When they are recognized, they can be dealt with. And he is bringing them up now, and now we're moving on to the next part that brings the healing. Okay? So what I'm saying to you in all this is not only is this consistent with what God reveals in general revelation, but I'm telling you, pay attention to this. Pay attention to it. Don't listen as if it's a nice sermon and go home and not do anything about it. When things rise up in you, realize they're rising up because the Lord wants to heal them. Okay? Your healing is here for you if you don't walk away from this. Amen. Okay? Keep that in mind. And if you feel things, some of you, I know for me, things have risen up that I'm like, what is going on? And why now? And it's because... In the spiritual realm, Pastor Rob is releasing things that is causing it to rise up in us. Don't be afraid of facing the things that are rising up in you as he preaches. Okay? God has given Amen. to you Good what preaching. is needed to heal you. And this is part of the process. Praise God. Thank you, Dr. Paul. I just pressed the button. Just dropped the mic. All right. So I believe that with the series that we've just come out of, Restoring the Image of God, and this message today, God is wanting to progress us from maybe being servant number two and progressing to be servant number one, where we've produced, but God wants to make us even more productive. And some of us, in some areas of our life, we can be a servant, number one, but other arenas of our life and our thinking, we're more like a servant, number three. There are certain areas that I have great confidence in and other areas that I don't have as much. This is what I know about the Word of God. James says, and Paul says it oh, often, that God wants us to com be complete and not lacking anything. And so he wants to make us productive in every arena 
of life. Does that sound good? Absolutely. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, with the picture of the parable of the talents, uh, I believe that God wants healing to go further in our souls so that as we progress forward in 2022, we become more productive on every level, whether it's business, whether it's relationships, whether it's uh, receiving healing emotionally or physical healing, or whether it's just deepening your walk and your perspective and understanding of the character of God. But God wants us to prosper in our physical life, in our soul, and in our spiritual life. Amen. That's the nature and the heart of God. He didn't come just to save us so we get to heaven. He came to set us free from the fall and the effect of the first Adam. I want to be more affected by the last Adam than I have been by the first Adam. Come on. Yeah. Amen. And so this sermon title is Breaking Free from a Double-Minded Past. The series is called Breaking Free from a Double-Minded Soul. Circumstances, situations, hurts, disappointments, trauma, from mild to major, creates an anchor effect and we get stuck in life. And God wants to unstick us. The enemy comes to get us stuck. You know, when you're stuck, you're in a prison. Jesus came to get us out of the prisons. Whatever that prison looks like, Jesus wants to get us out of the prisons in our soul. And so um, to help illustrate something that I'm going to unfold today, I'm going to go to a video and uh, this video actually took place here in church a couple of Sundays ago. First of all, Mike, uh, Michael Faulkner, our drummer, him and his wife, Danielle, they head up the teenage department of the church. But Mike has also got a special anointing where even younger kids just gravitate to him. And he pays tremendous attention to them. And he lo they love him because... He will spend time and talk to them. You know, lots of times when we get older, kids are insignificant. And kids sense it and they feel it and they won't gravitate to you. But when you treat them with importance and you're willing to have conversations on their level, not conversations at them, but conversations with them, they are validated and they immediately feel secure. And when they feel secure, they start to feel a sense of love, okay? And so bonds, relationships are created. Well, Michael is actually quite anointed in this way. And one of the kids that he's really attracted is my own grandson. I've watched my popularity slide. <laughs> Judah was introduced to Star Wars by his dad. And ever since he was introduced to Star Wars, he's been talking to uh, Michael about uh, Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, uh, lightsabers and all of that. And uh, it's just become a tremendous fascination. And of course, this is an arena that Michael has a hobby interest as well. And uh, so the two have just really hit it off. So much so that my grandson will take his mother's phone at night, 
and she has uh, Miss Danielle's phone number in uh, her directory. Well, she doesn't have Michael's phone number. So Judah, at night, after dinner, will get his mother's phone and dial Danielle Faulkner. When she answers, he says, hello, Danielle, how are you? I'm good, Judah. Can I talk to Mr. Michael? <laughs> and then he'll be there in his bedroom having a conversation. I mean, this little eight, uh, no, how old is Judah now? Five. This five-year-old will have a conversation on the cell phone with Michael. And so because of their connection and the interest in Star Wars, uh, Pastor Stephen and I think Pastor Carlos had a hand in it as well. They thought, let's set up a scenario one Sunday after church. Michael, unbeknownst to little Judah, has a Darth Vader costume with hard plastic outer shells and stuff like that. And uh, they thought, you know, let's use some of the uh, lighting effects here in the church. And we'll have Judah in here with his green lightsaber. And suddenly out of the darkness, let's bring Darth Vader. And I want to show you this video clip because it actually speaks a lot about how we function in our soul. How we function. And what you're going to see is... A little boy who's dazzled by the fact that out of the darkness, suddenly there's this red scene appears up here on the stage, and there's Darth Vader, and you'll see him coming down this aisle, initially excited. And then he starts to think about it, and you'll see, right in the very beginning, initially as he's walking forward, suddenly he starts to back up, and he's having second thoughts. And his dad comes behind him and says, come on, Judah. And he gains a bit of confidence. And dad's encouraging him. And he comes up here and he fights Darth Vader. So I'm just pointing out, I want you to notice how he comes with excitement. Then he starts to back up until he's encouraged from an outside source. Inside, internally, he's starting to have turmoil and doubt. Okay, he's starting to come to another mindset. He went from excitement to hesitation, and before fear could creep in, dad shows up and starts to encourage him, and then they duel it out. And then I want to share with you something that happened right after that video sequence. So we're going to dim the lights. And thank you to Pastor Carlos who edited the video for me so that we could make it more concise. Thank you, guys. Let's dim the house lights as well.
All right. Now, we just did that as a bit of fun. No intention to introduce it into a sermon series. But what was interesting is the helmet was a two-part piece. And one was just the hard helmet, and the other was, as a separate piece, the face of Darth Vader. And uh, the helmet fell off, and uh, uh, Michael's holding the face in his hand, and Judah didn't like it. And he pushed it to the ground. Now Judah mentally has acknowledged this is his buddy, Mike. He, even though it was Darth Vader, he didn't know it was Mike, Michael at first. He acknowledges this is Mike. We turn all the lights on. They're walking down the hallway here. And uh, Pastor Stephen says again, let's take some photos outside. So Michael puts the mask back on. Now, Judah mentally has acknowledged this is his friend. This is Michael. This is my buddy. And he walks up to Michael and very quietly tugs on his cape and says, Mr. Michael, would you please take the mask off? And the point is that in our soul, we have the mind of our intellect, but we have the mind of our emotions as well. And we can know something mentally and be paralyzed emotionally. Are you with me? Okay. And so I'm going to be preaching on breaking free from a double-minded past. So now we've set the scene. We've given you some visuals to help explain what we're going to talk about. In Isaiah chapter 61, the prophet Isaiah is prophesying about the Messiah who is to come. There are many different types of prophecies about Christ. Some prophecies were about where he would be born. Others' prophecies were about his genealogy, that he would come from the lineage of King David and from David's house. Uh, There are prophecies about his government. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. He will be called Counselor, uh, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. Many different prophecies. In this particular prophecy, Isaiah the prophet, by the Spirit of God, is prophesying why this Messiah will come and what he will be anointed to do when he comes. And so in Isaiah chapter 61, starting with uh, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Messiah, Yeshua, was going to come and the Spirit of God was going to be upon him. But why would he come and why would the Spirit of God be upon him? Because the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and that's always Yahweh, that's the Father, Elohim, because the Lord has anointed me, he has brought me to earth, and empowered me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now we could think of prison as a very physical space, and uh, we understand criminals go to prison. But there are prisons that 
affect us emotionally and keep us logged into issues from our past. There are prisons in our soul, in our emotions that stop us from being as productive and as fruitful as we want to be and as productive and as fruitful as God wants us to be. I believe that as sons of God, our nickname is blessed. I'll try that again. I believe that as sons of God, our nickname is blessed. The blessings of God are mine. Listen, if that's not true, then the Bible is in error because the Bible says that I have been made a co-heir together with Jesus Christ. Is your Christ blessed? Is he capable? Is he able? Does he have resources? Is he powerful? Is he bigger than every situation? Now let me ask you the next logical question. Do you live by yourself or do you live with Christ inside of you? You see, even if you have difficulty believing that you are blessed and that you've been endowed with resources, even if you have a mental block and religion stops you from being that bold to actually perceive that the fullness of Christ is in you, then at the very least, the Christ who is absolutely complete lives inside of you. We've got to break down these religious thought barriers that stop us from being the heroes God has always intended us to be. In Romans chapter 8, it says that the earth is groaning and moaning. It's reeling. It is in turmoil. It is in labor, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Well, the sons of God are here. The problem is the sons of God have got to get the revelation that they are sons of God and what it means to be a son of God. Religion has limited the term son of God to mean your sins are forgiven and your name is written in the book of life. But the word of God doesn't limit it to that. The word of God is limitless. And the Bible says that we, as we behold him, are transformed into the image of the son by the spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's the enemy who wants you to keep on living in a bonsai form of who you are meant to be. But God wants you to be like the great redwoods, the cedars, the oaks of righteousness that are bigger and better than anything that the earth can throw up at you. Praise God. Thank you, guys. Isaiah prophesies, and he prophesies about why this Messiah would come and what he would do. And so if we look at this verse, we can break it down like this. God's Spirit is on me. He's anointed me and empowered me to, number one, preach and teach the good news. You see, we have to learn the principles of God to be able to experience the principles of God. Remember Jesus said to Peter, I've beat up the kingdom of darkness, 
I've vanquished them, I've demolished them, and there's nothing you're ever going to have to do again. Do you remember when Jesus said, Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And what you bind will be bound. And what you loose will be loosed. The reason why, while he completed it all on the cross and it is finished, he has involved us in our own progress because he doesn't see us as invalids needing help. He sees us as sons who are maturing into sonship who will be conquerors and overcomers. And so he gives to us the keys the principles so that we will see things in the spirit realm from the word of God and learn how to unlock areas of our soul so that we can go from one state of being to a greater state of prosperity, of mind, of peace, of health, of spirituality, of everything. You see, when God sets a banquet table for me in front of my enemies, and I'm living in a hostile world. That banquet table doesn't just have spiritual food. That banquet table isn't just the book of life that has my name written in it. The Apostle Paul makes a statement in Ephesians, for you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Everything that is in Christ is in me. And that affects everything around me in the world that I live Come on now. We have got to jump over that mindset that has pigeonholed us and in a sense even imprisoned us in a religious thinking that our Christianity is only about my immediate salvation from sin and my eternal destination in heaven. No, God is setting me free in my soul. He wants to set me free from my inferiority. He wants to set me free from my in. Abilities. He wants to set me free from my lack of confidence. He wants to set me free from fear itself. He wants to set me free from the effect that past disappointments have had on my life because he wants me to be an oak of righteousness. He wants me to be a fruit-bearing tree. He wants me to be healthy. He wants me to be prosperous. He wants me to be complete. He wants me to come to the maturity of my destiny in Jesus Christ, here first and then in eternity. Can I get an agreement, church? And so the God anointed Jesus Christ so that he will teach principles. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this written word is the written expression of Jesus Christ. There are principles in the word. Principles that will unlock the dungeons and the, the keep safes of demons so that we could get out of mindsets, get out of past hurts, get out of limitations, and stop being locked up and start being the redeemed of the Lord who are full and free. Amen. 
I refuse to allow the context of this world to be the pretext to my life. This world doesn't shape my life. The blessing and the calling and the destiny of God is what shapes my life. And we have to have a mindset that comes into agreement with the word of God. Just like my sister said, amen. You know, when we say amen, when we say, you know, I hear it, but I'm going to let it go further in me from just a mental ascent to I'm going to wrap myself up in this even emotionally. How does thought go from just a quick mental acknowledgement to a deeper level where it even affects us emotionally? You see, Judah was walking down this aisle, and at first, Star Wars, and he's excited. And then as he gets closer, uh, this is too real for comfort. Starts backing up, and then Daddy's there in his wings, breathing into him. Come on, Judah. And he comes forward. And then somebody else comes next to him. Uh, I don't know if it was Pastor Amy or another lady taking pictures. And he's gaining confidence. And dad is saying, come on, Judah. You could do this. Come on, Judah. And he gets up here and you see him gaining confidence. Because others are inspiring him from the outside. But momentarily, he took a hit emotionally. When Michael takes the mask off, he knows mentally, he acknowledges, this is my buddy. This is the guy I call up at night. Mike puts the mask back on, and Judah's afraid. And you can say, well, that's because he's a kid. Well, I'm talking to every kid in this room because we all do the same thing. How many things in our lives we know mentally that can hurt me, and yet we're struggling with a fear on the inside? There are so many things we acknowledge on a mental level, but then emotionally, we're struggling with it. And that's because in the soul, you have the mind of the intellect, and the mind of the intellect includes your rational belief systems, but it also includes your memories, the pictures of situations and scenarios that have played out in your life. And then you have the mind of your emotions, I'm going to show you here from Scripture that God wants to heal us deep down in our soul so that we are free to live a productive life in every area of our being. And so it says here, God's Spirit is on me, anointed me to preach, to teach, to release principles of the good news of God to the poor. And that word poor is anav in the Hebrew it is anav, and it means afflicted or depressed mentally or circumstantially. God has anointed me to bring principles of life, to set people free who have been oppressed from the powers of darkness so that they can escape mental prisons and circumstantial prisons and start to break out. He goes on to say, to heal the brokenhearted. And in the Hebrew there, the word heal is kabash. He wants to bring the kabash to the works of the enemy. I, I don't know if that, 
what would you call it, that little phrase, you know, uh, that's the kibosh of it. I don't know if it generally comes from that Hebrew word, but I do know this, to heal is to kibosh, and God is going to put the kibosh on the works of the enemy. John the apostle writes in his letter, for this reason was the Son of God made manifest. For this reason he came to earth to destroy all the works of the evil one. You see, the enemy will want to traumatize us mentally and emotionally so that there are anchors that hold us to the past. The Apostle Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on to take hold of my goal, my purpose, my destiny in Christ Jesus. God is all about his kids moving forward, breaking out of the dungeons of hell. Doesn't matter what type of a dungeon it is. God is all about his sons and daughters rising up and being the manifestation of the sons of God in a broken world. Come on, get up and give the Lord a shout. Amen. Now, there's a reason why I asked you to get up and shout. Stay standing for a minute. And this is part of the key of my message this morning. Too many times and in too many things, we make a light mental ascent. It'll never go down to your emotions until you think more deeply on it. Then it goes from the surface level of first observation the mind of your intellect. And as you deeply think on it, it'll start to touch your emotions. You know why I want you to get excited when I preach? Not because it'll feed my ego. Not because I need it, but I do like it. It does help me. But I want you to get excited because I want it to go beyond the, the superficial mental observation and acknowledgement, I want it to go deeper so that it affects you emotionally. Because when you bring the mind of intellect, the mind of reason, together with the mind of your emotions, it becomes like a lion deep down in your soul. It becomes a stronghold. And we have many strongholds from darkness where mentally and emotionally there's been an anchor put in our soul that has wrecked us from moving forward. But God wants to put a mental and an emotional agreement in our soul so that it projects us into the future of who we are meant to be today in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. All right, you can take your seats, but don't lose that enthusiasm. To heal, kabosh, means to bind to heal, to wrap together. I think this is very interesting, and you're going to see why. Because when we look at the nature of what the Hebrew tells us a broken heart is, then this word, to heal, kabash, is very apropos, very fitting. To heal in the Hebrew in this context means to bind together, 
to heal, to wrap together. Broken, Shabbat. To be broken in pieces, to be fractured. That's what the Hebrew says in that verse. And then hearted comes from the word lebay. And both in the Hebrew lebay or in the Greek in the New Testament, whenever it talks about uh, your heart, in the Greek it's cardia. And in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, lebay and cardia always has the same meaning, even though it transverses two entirely different languages. In the Hebrew, as it is in the Greek, the heart is always the realm of the mind, the intellect. It's the realm of the emotions, number two, and it's the realm of your will. You will only produce anything on any level to the degree that your will is engaged. If the mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions are in disagreement, there's nothing there to engage the will. But when we get healed and the mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions are wrapped together, they're Binded together and they heal. Now you're in agreement and you can activate your will. You see, in the hurts, in the wounds, and in the disappointments of life. Let's stop for a moment. Sometimes we just package this teaching to just be in the context of hurts and wounds and trauma. Do you know what a disappointment is? Emotionally, I know what you, you know what a disappointment is. We've all had them. But do you know what a disappointment is? Do you know what types of scenarios that include? A disappointment, disappointment in your mind you had an imagination of what you would achieve, of where you will be, of what, where you will go, what you will do, an appointment. And you had a dis. You missed the goal or the vision of what you were hoping for. And disappointments are a wound in the soul. In Proverbs, it says hope deferred, appointments, things you're wishing for, goals. Hope deferred make the soul sick. And so disappointments are, have a similar effect in our soul just like trauma does. And there have been areas of life where we've not hit the goal, the things we were hoping for, the things we were imagining, the things we were believing for, and they don't happen. We have a disappointment. In our mind, we, are, we appointed ourselves. In our imagination, we appointed ourselves to a particular finale, and we didn't get there. We had a disappointment, and what happens is in the soul, you it activates a wound and the mind of reason, of belief systems, of memories, and the mind of emotions are torn apart. It's fractured. And Jesus has come 
to deal with the everyday common hurts and disappointments of life because people who are meant to be sons of God are walking on the earth like splintered beams. And the Messiah has come to change us from being splintered splintered beams to making us a rod of salvation, a staff in God's hands, a planting of the Lord, an oak of righteousness. Are you with me? And so <clears throat> broken means fractured, broken in pieces, hearted is mind of intellect and the mind of emotions together with the will. When the mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions have been fractured, mentally you know where you want to go, emotionally you will sabotage your destiny. And we all have this. You don't have to be a broken heap. We want to categorize these things as people that, you know, they're, they're a lump in society and they just can't cope. No, every one of us on varying levels and varying degrees have brokenness in our soul. But the beautiful thing is that this Savior didn't just come to save me from the hell that is a final destination. He didn't just come to save me from that and bring me to an eternal salvation. He came to save me from the prisons in my soul, the wounded moments in my life and where I'm splintered and where there is friction between my mind of reason and my emotions, where I sabotage the very things I'm praying for. I pray for the blessing of God, but emotionally I'm sabotaging it. Listen, how many of you have ever heard or read in Scripture about coming into agreement with one another. Come on, put your hand up. Do you know why a lot of people come into agreement with someone else, a prayer partner, and they don't see the answer to their prayer? It's because the other person, right? They didn't have enough faith. I shouldn't have come into agreement with them. Now, you could come into agreement with another person and they be fully on board faith-wise, spiritually. The issue is that often we're not in agreement in our soul. I can be in agreement mentally, yes, this is God's blessing for me, and I can repeat the verse and even quote where it comes from, parrot fashion. The question is, emotionally, do I have the same level of credibility? Do I believe it emotionally? You see, you could quote the promise of God and, 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 you know, look like a great faith person. But does it get deep down into your emotions? Do your eyes light up? Has it gone from just mental ascent down to a deep-rooted, man, this thing has got roots in my belly. I believe it. I know that I know that I know that I know. It is written. It's mine. You see, too often, 
our faith or our believing is just a mental ascent. It's got to go deeper into our soul and hook into the mind of our emotions. Oh, that's just emotionalism. No, that's being one-minded in your soul so that you could step into the miraculous realm of the Spirit of God. Isn't it amazing that the world will point to Christians and say, oh, that's emotionalism, but what do they do every Sunday at the football stadium? There's mental assent. They agree on certain things regarding their team, but don't tell me they don't get emotional about it. Whether they win or lose, there's heaps of emotion flying. And then we think that's something that we can't do as Christians. Don't get radical. Let me tell you, the world is waiting for radical answers. And you are the radical answer they're waiting for. And the devil has put a lie in the church. Don't get too emotional. Listen, don't be emotion without the facts of God. But get the facts of God and let it get into your emotions so that the mind of reason and the mind of emotions are in agreement and you can release the will of God in your life. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. Isn't it true? How many things we agree with in our mind, but then emotionally, I'm not sure. How do you get to that emotional level? Look, I've been preaching about making judgments about God, restoring the image of God, and how bitter interactions with fellow human beings cause me to be wounded but because we were created to be in the image of God, the enemy uses that divine principle so that my hurts with another human being end up overlaying a shadow onto the image of God. And we subconsciously make judgments about God. How do you get healed and move on? Because I told you, the judgments you make about people and the judgments you make about God is the sentence that you wear around your life. So how do we really get healed? And as I've been preaching this series, I understand that the Holy Spirit has brought many things to people's surface, their conscious thinking. And we can consciously say, okay, I actually attributed this characteristic to God, and that's wrong. God's not like that. Father, I repent. And it's a quick mental observation. But the soul has still got an anchor that's not letting you move forward because the mind of your emotions is still there in the wound. And so, honestly, as much as I would like to give everyone a quick fix button to press, abracadabra, God puts due diligence on us. He says, be transformed. In the name of Jesus. No, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind by the word who is Jesus. That means I have due diligence. And so when I acknowledge that there are areas in my life where I've made a judgment or I've allowed my interaction with another human being to affect my perception of God, 
when that comes to the surface, not only do I acknowledge it and say I'm sorry, I acknowledge it deeply. I think about it. I think about it and allow it to go down to my emotions and say, wow. I look at it from every angle and every perspective, and I start to allow myself to imagine how I wounded the image of my father, and I allowed the devil with his nasty little bite, his nasty little sting, to affect how I see the father responding to me. And so I let my thinking go deeper, and as it goes deeper, it starts to touch the emotions, the mind of my emotions. I need my emotions to be healed, not just my mental intellect or my assent, a superficial agreement. I need my emotions to get healed. You see, in these disappointments, in these wounds, in these traumas, <laughs> this is no different than the guy who went to Vietnam. And he went to Vietnam to be a Captain America, to be a hero, because we're the nation of freedom and justice for all. And then they're involved in scenes where women are being slaughtered and kids are, are being killed and they're having to do things and see things. And the mind of reason and the mind of the emotions get torn apart in tragedy. But it's not just that scale. It's even down to the every day where the rubber meets the road scale, where we get disappointed and disappointments, things we hope for in our minds, places we expected to be, things we, we imagined to achieve that got a big diss on it, causes a fracturing between the mind of reason and the emotions. And we have to allow the Spirit of God to bring to our memory, say, Dad, you know, Show me, what conclusions did I come to in that situation? I keep remembering this situation. Speak to me about this situation. Why is this memory popping up over and over again? And he'll start to connect things for you. He will. You see, he anointed Jesus to teach principles so that we get out of prison, get out of jail. And so when memories of things in your past keep coming up, Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, did I make a judgment about God in this situation? Did this affect how I see God and God's performance towards me? And he'll bring things to the surface. And when he shows you a connection, don't just say, God, I'm sorry. Think about it deeply. Like you would think about someone that you love, that you wounded. You would think about that deeply, or at least you should. A quick mental acknowledgement, because I don't like to be wrong, so yeah, uh, okay, I'm sorry, and we move on, doesn't cut the second rope that is tied to the anchor. There are two ropes, the mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions. And many times we deal with stuff on an intellectual level, but we don't allow it to go deep enough so that we're emotionally invested in the repentance. I'm not saying you have to cry and shed tears. No, some people cry alligator tears, and they're fake as fake as fake. No, but I'm talking about 
think about it deep enough so it stirs your emotion so that when you say, I'm sorry, I'm going to change that picture of you and allow that picture to line up with what your word says. When you do that, that anchor in your soul that holds you to the past and stops you from moving forward, that friction that causes you to have a goal and yet you self-sabotage. Now the two ropes that are tied to that anchor both are cut and you're free to move forward in the Holy Ghost. Stand with me. As you're standing, look at this verse. In James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, let me nail this home. Stay with me. Let me nail this home. James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. If any of you lack wisdom, if you lack insight to principles that will set you free, if you lack knowledge for a specific area in your life that you never get past, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Oh, he won't do it for me. He'll do it for Mary, but he won't do it for me. I'm not a good person. He will give to all without finding fault. Tell that voice in your soul to shut up and to go back to hell where it belongs because it is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is the voice of an unholy spirit. The Word of God says that my Father in heaven will give generously to all without finding fault. But I'm not perfect. To all without finding fault. But I'm not like Pastor Rob. To all without finding fault. Even in that, we need to restore the image of God in our mind. He goes on to say, will give to all generously without finding fault. It'll be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Now watch this. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Your life won't be fruitful. You'll be stuck in the rut of servant number three with your talent in the ground. How do we go from that guy to guy number two and then to guy number one? Do you know when Jesus died on the cross, there weren't any seconds? He died for you. He didn't die for her and you get included. He died for you. Everyone was a number one. He died for you. He died for you. There are no seconds in Christ. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded. They're tossed around by the wind. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. That word double-minded in the Greek, would you put it up please? Dipsukos. Dipsukos. 
it's also written dicycles of two minds wavering between two opinions as if you have two souls or two selves you are double-minded you're wavering between the mind of the intellect and the mind of your emotions Jesus came to bind together to wrap up he's anointed to bring healing to our soul to preach the truth to those who are afflicted the poor mentally and circumstantially to bind to heal to bring together the splintered self to heal the broken-hearted the fractured soul and to let the captives go out of the prisons that's what Isaiah said 2022 and every day of every week of every year that has ever been God wants to set you free from the prisons that demons try to trap you in. You see, the Bible talks about being of two minds, a fracture in your soul. And when we repent and we get our judgments right, the sentence is broken off of us. We make judgments about others and we make judgments about God. But it's like a boomerang. The sentence comes back to us. And when we repent and we get it right, and we realize we've misinterpreted God, we're set free. And he starts the healing process in the soul. And instead of me sabotaging my own goals, now my mind of reason and intellect starts to be reunited with the mind of my emotions and the two of them come into agreement before i come into agreement with someone else i need to come into agreement within myself and when i believe emotionally as well as mentally that hook is taken out of the past the cords that tie me to that anchor are severed and I start to move in the freedom that God always intended. The freedom of prosperity, the freedom of healing, the freedom of peace, the freedom of breakthrough. Amen. Amen. He's come to heal us in our soul. And you don't have to be a, a wounded war vet who's gone through horrendous emotional and psychological scars. You could be somebody who thinks they've recovered from divorce and yet there are some ties to the past. You could be a young person who set goals and they didn't quite work out and that's still a trauma in the soul. And God wants to send Jesus because he's anointed with the word to heal up every little wound deep down inside of us so that the earth who's groaning and moaning in anxious expectation for the sons of God will actually start meeting some of the sons of God, you and me.
Sometimes we make sermons all about the altar call. And it becomes a one-moment event. Come on out the front. we got pastors who will pray for you. God has anointed me to preach, to teach principles and lay them at your hands, to put them on the table so that with Pastor Rob or without, with Pastor Tom or without, with Pastor Jan or without, you are equipped as a son of God and you understand the principles and you start working the anointing of the principles of God in your own heart and you start getting free. After all, Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom and you will unlock, you will bind and you will lose. See, every one of us, whenever we think about healing, we think about laying hands on somebody else. He's anointed me to heal the sick. He's anointed me to heal me. <laughs> He's anointed me to deal with the junk in my soul so I get fixed up and I'm ready to run. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen to this message again. If you're not signed up, sign up with Pastor Carlos. On Mondays, you'll not only get the sermon, you'll get highlights and you'll get the notes. I believe this teaching is important because God wants to set his kids totally free. But it's not always an altar call event. It's the keys he wants to put in your hands so that you can operate the keys and set the captives free, you included. Amen. This is a get out of jail free card. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Close your eyes with me. The most important thing in this whole journey is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about being of a particular denomination. Well, I'm Catholic, I'm okay. Well, I'm Baptist, I'm going to make it. Well, I'm a Pentecostal, we've got an edge on everyone. No. It's about do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ have you asked Jesus into your heart is it a living relationship that's not stagnant if you've never asked Jesus in your heart and you want to today come on raise your hand raise your hand with me and say yes I want Jesus in my life I've walked away I'm coming back thank you I see it you can put your hand down thank you I see that hand you can put it down who else come on be honest be real. You see how I preach? I'm real. I don't try to be fancy. I'm real. Just be real. You want to make that step of faith with Jesus. Make a renewal of your commitment to Christ. One last time. Who else? Several people. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand, ma'am. Thank you. Several people now have raised their hand. At least three that I can acknowledge. I want everyone to pray with me, everyone. And let's pray this prayer, and especially those of you who've raised your hand, this is for you. And if you're watching online, this is for you. Everyone, repeat after me, God, it's amazing how much you love us. I'm still grappling with it. But I choose to believe you love me. 
and I want to love you. Jesus Christ, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I recognize what you did. You did it for me. And therefore, I accept it. I receive you. Jesus Christ, I welcome you into my life. And I invite you to take control. Lead me. Guide me. Live in me. Let's get this relationship started. Jesus, forgive me for the, all the mistakes I've made. Start working with me. Thank you. I receive you today. And I know you have already received me. Amen. Amen. Well, three people in particular, plus people online, have made that acknowledgement today. I think the Lord needs a round of praise. Come on. Please don't use today's message as a New Year's motivation. Use this message as divine principles and revisit this chest of treasure all through your life. Understand these principles. If you got to listen to the sermon again and again, guess what? It's free. We don't sell CDs. It's online. It's free. But this is for the health of your soul, for the prosperity of your life. 